Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print with me, Carrie Champion. And that's right. I said season two because this time around, there's a twist on The Brown Print. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some really accomplished people, folks you've seen, maybe some folks you've never heard of before, but they always have one thing in common, how they were able to come back. I want you to be inspired. I want you to see people who are just like me and you, and they figured it out. I hope they act as a guide. I hope you feel as if you're being mentored. I hope, in fact, that you feel like you're getting direction. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print, The Comeback. Good morning. And now, good night. (laughs) Stephanie, you're just coming home from last night. Is this what the kids call the walk of shame? No shame and no walk. I took an Uber. Oh, I had the best night last night. You know, so happens that your little sister is now a little famous. Okay, there are no kids in the room. I guess it's safe to ask, what for? (laughs) Well, since I broke up with Hunter Pence on national TV singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, every single guy in the city wants to take me out for peanuts and Cracker Jack. (laughs) And tequila shots. Jody Sweden came onto the scene at just five years old as the adorable Stephanie Tanner on that hit show Full House. I remember it. I don't know if you do. And 20 years later, she's still very successful as an actress, an author, a director, a podcaster, an advocate, but more importantly, a mother. That amazing success was not without its challenges, however. On the way, Jody had to overcome addiction, mental health challenges, and essentially reinvent herself. Her journey is an inspiring one that shows us just how much we can achieve when we keep pushing forward. Listen very closely as Jody drops a lot of gems. I hope you all enjoy this specific brown print of Jody Sweeten. Jody, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. So outside of outside of just the normal, you get this all the time. Huge fan. Um, And I know that, you know, being a part of an iconic television show that raised so many of us. And, and I don't know why it seems like back, because it wasn't 18 million years ago, but it was definitely a different time where people gathered around the television. No, it was it was 18 million years ago. That's it, absolutely an accurate depictment. Okay. <laughs> no, it was an event. It was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this show. It comes on every Friday, I believe, or Saturday. TGIF. Right. It was TGIF. Back when television shows had words, theme songs instead of just a beat. And theme songs that were very that were written like about the show or were very specific to what the show was about. You know what I mean? Now it's like it'll just be like they use a popular song. Exactly. Being a part of, of, and I don't know if legendary is the word, but a, a classic, a cult classic at such a young age, how did that shape you as an adult? Like when Full House went away, how did you adjust to life? Um, you know, at the time, I was both excited and really nervous. Um, I was excited to just kind of be a normal kid and like go to school all day instead of going to school until lunch and then getting picked up and then going to work in the afternoon and But I think now looking back on it and being able to understand um, sort of the pivotal moments in your life, it was a huge loss. You know what I mean? It was a huge shift going from what I knew every day from the age of five years old. I, I don't think I gave myself enough credit for that being such a huge shift at 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I really got to heal that sort of the second time around when we came back and did Fuller House. The ending of it was was not as painful because the fear of losing that family um, wasn't there like it was with the first time. You know, at 13, I was afraid of like not seeing those people the way that I would all the time. And now knowing that they've been in my life for 36 years and like they're not going anywhere, it made it a little bit easier to be like, okay, so many of us are attached to what we do, right? And I can even imagine being a famous actress at a young age and that being my identity. And then when I met the, at a very important time in my life, my teen years, now I'm back and I am trying to figure out who I am. If you look back on it, was there an identity crisis that you, you experienced? Yeah. And I think it had uh, some to do with that, but it had a lot to do with uh, you know, I was adopted uh, around the age of one years old. And I think everyone, I think everyone goes through an identity crisis at like 13 years old. I mean, I'm watching my, my daughters go through it right now. We're like in, you know, a year and a half or two years, they've tried on different personas. Is this the person I want to be? Is uh -huh. this the clothes I want to wear? And it's, and it's this awesome experience, uh, painful um, and, you know, difficult but I think for me that the adoption piece was a big thing that I needed to heal. And that was a big piece of my, who am I? Where do I come from? Mm. I felt different than the people I was raised by. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was adopted. I knew my story. So it, there was just, there was a lot brewing, I think, under the surface. And I always tell people like some of the things that I went through and the issues of figuring out who I was would have happened regardless of the level of having fame at an early age, but that just added a different layer to it. So talk to me about adoption and, and, and why you had to heal that and work through that. What does that look like for you specifically? For me, it looked like finally becoming a mom on my own uh, and struggling somewhat trying to get my life together and get, and, and get sober again and get, you know, and sort of figure out, who I was when my older daughter was very young still. And suddenly understanding the humanity of my biological mom in a much different way. Whereas I had always felt this rejection and this, um, and I think a lot of adoptees feel that it's sort of that, Oh, what would, what was it about me that was somehow not enough or that, I couldn't change this person, even though in all of my perfect wonderfulness yeah. as an infant, that that couldn't change them. So it, there's like this deep sense of like, what's wrong with me? And I think when I became a mom and was still figuring out myself, I realized that motherhood doesn't automatically give you this authority to figure your shit out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Makes it even more confusing, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, it's even harder. And so I went, oh, she was just doing the best that she could. And she That's knew it. that whatever that was, wasn't going to be enough for me. And like, oh, wow. How, thank you for that. You're not mad at you're not mad at your parents for giving you up. Is that yeah, what you're it wasn't saying? Mad. Suddenly it wasn't, I, I, yeah, I wasn't like, I wasn't resentful about it. And, you know, in, in sobriety and 12 steps, one of the biggest things that you have to heal are these resentments, you know, 
and how you carry them with you. And that was a huge one for me. Once I wasn't angry at her, um, once I understood it and once I was sort of on the other side of it, um, you know, like most things, until we're confronted by it, we don't realize, you know, we think we'd have one certain reaction to it. And we think we'd be one way. And then suddenly you gain this perspective and it just, it healed a lot for me. I'm hearing a lot, a lot. And I'm hearing um, that there was resentment. Obviously, all of us have resentment from our childhood. We spent our adulthood trying to get rid of our childhood. Right, right, and right. And that, that goes across the board. For anybody. You know, you love too much. They were, sm- I was smothered. Anybody and everybody. Right. And exactly. We all, and, and thank God we're all a little screwed up because no one's doing this perfectly. Yeah. No <laughs> one is God. doing this perfectly. As parents, as as kids, as human beings, we're just doing our best. When did you when did you start dealing with your addiction to alcoholism, drugs, whatever it may be? How old were you? Um, I, that, I think that started like in high school. Like most people, it started out as just sort of experimenting. But then it quickly became something else. For one, you know, knowing that my biological parents had struggled with addiction was for me somehow this connection to them. For me, how I reacted when I drank was not like everyone else. Like I just wanted to keep going. And my friends were like, they would, it was, there was a pretty clear line and I just didn't have the off button. It pretty quickly became apparent that I was not going to be someone who drank normally. But like I said, there was this weird connection of who am I, of identity um, connected to that. And both resentment of it and both Mm. um, this weird embracing of it, I think. And that was something that I had to wrestle with throughout my adult or my young adult life. Like I said, until I really healed some of some of that resentment. But um, you described it in a way in which I think is interesting and and quite frankly, scary. It became quickly apparent that you had no off button or a stop button when it came to drinking. Right. It's like trying to fill a cup with a giant hole in the bottom of it. There's no, it's, you're never going to fill it up. It's never going to be enough because you're never going to be able to quench whatever it is that you're searching for with that. I think most people who have um, issues with addiction know what that feels like, whether it's food, whether it's love, whether it's shopping, whether it's whatever, you take that thing away and it's like, no, 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 no. But, but now I have feelings. I was just going to say, it does it may not look like drugs. It could be addicted to attention. Exactly. You know, for people who haven't been addicted to drugs or to alcohol, there is an addiction that you can identify with in some ways where you're like, this is this is so necessary in my life, but it isn't. But I right. feel like it's so necessary. Somebody would say, outside looking in, Hollywood kids always have this problem. But you said something I think is important that you already had this problem because you were adopted. There were already other issues you were feeling. Um, this might right. have been the medication, but there was an underlying issue before you became this star on this TV show. Right. You leave the TV show. You work on some things. You have a baby. But you have this this moment where you can come back, if you will, reset. How difficult was it to reset your life before your first child and after your child? Uh, it was a huge adjustment. I was, I I was struggling trying to get sober after I had a kid. Um, Mm. but it was uh, my entire life shifted. You know what I mean? I, I, I went from being out all the time, being irresponsible, like, you know, just not caring about anyone but me to like all of a sudden being responsible for this other person. And, um, 
I think that happens with every parent. You all of a sudden you are like, that's it. It's you. <laughs> you are you are responsible for this human being. There are no instructions. They hand it to you and send you home. And it's <laughs> terrifying. So interesting about the world we live in. We have so it's many great. rules and regulations. So on many things rules that just... and regulations get to take tests for everything except raising a human. Hey, go ahead and take this human. Do it yourself. Good luck. Right. So, I don't know. Reason books. Um, <laughs> and I had to change everything, you know, where I, who I hung out with, what I was doing, where, you know, and it was it was a huge adjustment for me. And I don't know that like my life reset but well, I know it didn't. My life didn't reset one time and then like set off back right on the, you know, the the quote unquote perfect track. I think my life has been and I think most of our lives are like this constant readjustment and and, you know, sort of that choose your own adventure thing. Once I had two kids, that was different and finding myself in different relationships. Um, and then, you know, at the end of it, finding myself, really. Um, and I think that took a while. How long have you been sober? Uh, since 2011. You know, I'm really proud of the way sobriety plays a role in my life today and what it looks like. I still suffer from terrible anxiety and, and I've had, you know, bouts of depression and all that. That, that stuff doesn't go away. Um, you just have to find different ways to treat it. I think now that I turned 40, like that radical self-acceptance that women start getting, you're like, oh, I kind of get it mm -hmm. now. Sobriety has been a huge part of that for me um, and sort of unfolding, you know, the inside of who I really am. You said sobriety doesn't necessarily change, you know, bouts of depression, anxiety. How do you deal with it now that you're sober? I mean, I have, you know, I have medications, I have, uh, um, you know, therapists, I have doctors, I, you know, I, I take use all of the outside help and resources that I can get. Um, and over time, you also I think it comes with age, but it also comes with with working on yourself and with wisdom is that you just kind of get to this point where you go like, I've survived all of the other shit up until this point, like I've made it to here. Even on days that are bad, you're like, look, I made it this far. Like, this is, this is, I can handle this. I ask that because there are people who are listening or who have, are dealing with the same addiction or have dealt with the same addiction. And it's really hard to have a toolbox with something inside that helps you do something else besides go back to that addiction. I'm always really clear with people. Like, I am a huge supporter of, of, Therapy, I think it is one of the, the most life-changing things you can do for yourself. Um, and I think also if medication is your route, like I'm very much pro that. I don't love big pharma, but at the same time, I also know that being on meds has helped save my life sure. and a lot of people that I know. Um, and it's interesting because in the world of sobriety, there's often a lot of controversy about that, about you know what meds you should take, you shouldn't take, all this stuff. I say to you, if you are out there listening, do whatever it is that you need to do to take care of yourself, take care of you, you know, and little steps forward, sometimes big steps back. It's all, you know, it's all just part of the process. I appreciate you giving them that encouragement. So 2011, you feel like you conquer it. Yeah. And in the process, I know you wrote a book. Um, I know that you have been in different projects since then. Um, and then Fuller House comes to you, right? Um, I think 2015. 
It was on for five seasons, I believe. And how is the experience now as an adult? You know, um, Candace and Andrea and myself and, and John Stamos were all very involved in pitching this show from the beginning to oh, different really? networks. Yeah. Um, so we had been working on it for years prior to when it actually came out. And it was one of the first reboots. This was in, this was before everybody was coming back on. And, we, and people were like, well, we don't know if people are going to watch yeah. it. Like, I can guarantee you people are going to watch this. And we wound up at Netflix. And like, you know, I had gone back to I was working in drug and alcohol treatment at the time. I was I had a normal job. I was doing like normal people life. Had a, you know, a little one and a half bedroom apartment. Like I was had a, an old used car. Like, but I was happy, right? Like I finally... I had done the work and learned to be happy no matter what financial circumstances I have, but like really enjoy the process and trying to enjoy the journey. And then this opportunity came along and then my entire life reset. And I got to come back and work with people who I'd known my entire life, who I thought I would never get to do that again. And I got to come back and I got to be in a place in my life where I could fully 100% appreciate it and be present for it. And I was so grateful for that. Yeah. You've been given a gift. Well, the show was a gift in itself, right? To everyone. And then you get a chance to do something that, again, under different circumstances, but still literally affecting people in the same way, including yourself. What a gift that is. People don't get that opportunity. No, they, they really don't. And I, and I, you know, it's, I learned a lot growing up. Uh, I learned some hard lessons. I learned some big kind of public lessons, um, but I wouldn't change any of that. I love that you say that because when you're going through it, especially if it's public and you're a public figure and failures are publicized and the majority of us get to make these mistakes privately without someone watching. Well, you know, you said something earlier about, you know, Hollywood kids always wind up like this. And I, I tell this story about where I grew up and I grew up in this really nice middle class neighborhood, great schools. I, I grew up with with privilege, definitely. But I grew up in a neighborhood where not only myself suffered through addiction, but you know, we had a kid who overdosed around the corner in his parents in his bathroom on mm. uh, Thanksgiving morning. We had an, a, another kid in my neighborhood across the street who wound up like doing some serious time for for dealing and for drug offenses. We had somebody else who got sober several years after I did. All these other kids that lived in the neighborhood that grew up just like I did, minus being on television, mm -hmm. they all had the same shit going on. Like life was happening to all of these people as well, but nobody knew their stories. I, I always say that because I go, it's not, it just so happens that you hear about these stories because you knew who these people were. You know what I mean? Like plenty of human beings go through the entertainment business and yeah. don't have issues with, you know, drugs and alcohol. But you hear about the stories of the ones that do because, you know, that makes for entertaining news. Now, you, you have this show. It's over in 2020. It wraps after five seasons. Mm -hmm. Does any fear come in? Will I ever work again? Will I, will I have another job? Will I? Tons. 
here's the deal. So we wrapped in November of 2019. Okay. Oh, the golden days before we knew it was coming. Yeah, right. right. I was going to say that was crazy. Yeah. Now I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go like the holidays were coming up. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm, you know, going to work a little bit here and there through the holidays, but like focus on family, do all that. My birthday's in January, me and my now fiance, but boyfriend at the time went to Mexico for a week on a trip. We took them to kids on a trip. Like I was chilling. I had all these meetings for directing stuff, for shadowing, for, you know, for writing things, things lined up for March of 2020. Oh, I was like, March of 2020 is when I'm going to come back and start working again. Well, we all know how that story ended. And yeah, there was a lot of fear because for like an entire year, there was like no money coming in, but a lot going out. I had a moment where I was like, no, I am 10 years I worked to get out of that situation. And now I'm here and blah, 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 blah. And I had to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, is it about getting there or is it about the journey? Because if it's about the journey, then this is part of it. Mm. Like, there's never a point that you get to and you hit the button and you're like, okay, I've completely succeeded in all of the stuff. Like, it just doesn't end that way. Yeah. Which means it's sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down and, you know, like it's, it is what it is. That is an incredible sense of let me surrender. Like, I, I don't even... I don't even know how to do that. I try, but it's such a struggle. Look, I didn't say I'm I didn't say I'm great at it. Look, mentally up here, like I know what I need to be doing. Now that does not spare me, like I said, from bouts of, you know, terrible anxiety attacks and 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 you know, all of those sorts of things and dealing with just the weight of the world right now. It's pretty heavy. Well, you're not alone. Everyone had something going in the beginning of 2020 and it all, it changed. It made you refocus. It it reset you. It put you on a different career path, a different yes. relationship trajectory, whatever it may be. It really did. I mean, it was an, it was a planetary shift, right? We all, whether we liked it or wanted to or not, or will acknowledge it, it was a big shift in, in, in the world's psyche, I think. Um, and so my focus became different. Um, and I have learned, you know, I had to learn to take a little bit more time. Like when things started coming back, I was like, hold on, I don't know that I can do as much as I used to do. And that's okay. So what did you determine in terms of your career? Since all the meetings were essentially pushed aside or postponed or whatever happened, where did that leave you as a working actress and a director? For a year, it left me not working. It was terrifying. You know, I was like, what have I done? What, why did I, oh, why did I do this again? Why did, you know, like all of those things doubting, why did I decide to put all my eggs in this, you know, acting basket? But then I just, I, I had to, I had to trust and have faith that I believed enough in myself and that other people believed enough in me that it would change. And that I knew enough about life that like the only constant is change. So it won't stay like that forever. Mm. And now I'm back to, you know, doing the movie, ho shooting holiday movies, which I love to do. People absolutely love those things. I'm working. You're back. You're back working. You know, I'm potentially directing later this year. I'm shadowing on a, a show um, at the end of this week. And also, um, I found in the last couple years, pre-pandemic too, but definitely now, like settling into really 
just liking who I am and being who I am. Mm -hmm. This is me. This is what you're going to get. You know, as much as I want to be like one of the popular Instagram famous, I just (laughs) not. I just, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I, it ain't, it ain't me. It's not me. I'm going to, I laugh at myself, you know, and I, I just think 40 is kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking, I'm liking 40 so far. The only constant is change. And once we realize that, we just have to settle in. You know, you can ter- terrify yourself with that or you can enjoy it. You know, I was listening to a Sarah Silverman podcast and I love it because she was talking about something. She said, here's the thing. None of none of it matters. And she was like, no, you can be like, oh, my God, none of it matters. She's like, or you can be like, none of it really matters. It's OK. It's all good in the grand scheme of gigantic life issues. <laughs> it's all going to be OK. And it's all very temporary. When you talk about the gigantic scheme of life issues there are a couple of things that I want to talk to you about, because life um, is exhausting. <laughs> And I was, I remember I was getting ready to do, I think, a television hit about something. And they were like, oh, we're going to push here because Bob Saget passed away. Yeah. Right? And this was like really big news. Back to my original point, you were Americana. You are Americana. You are part of, Full House was a part of our family. And and generations who weren't even born can watch it now because repeats are amazing. Where were you when you heard of his death? I was standing right in this room. Uh, in my office in here, I had been working out and I, I came, I got off my little Peloton bike and, uh, I saw two missed calls from Candace and just a text that said 911 call me. Mm. And I was like, oh, this can't be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought you know, maybe it was one of our older executive producers that, you know, was in their 80s. Maybe one of them had passed or something. I never, it just never occurred to me. And I picked up the phone right here and I was like, hey, you know, hey, Candace, what's up? And she just said, Bob died. And I was like, wait, what? And I, it was like, I just, I just fell apart. Mm. What kind of human did we lose? Not only as this dad that we loved, what kind of human did did we lose? Oh, man. Bob was, uh, Bob, and I would always joke, Bob was the the most self selfless, self-obsessed person I'd ever met in my life. <laughs> the, the, uh, most, wait, <laughs> the most, wait, the most selfless, selfless self-obsessed, self-obsessed person. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I, like, and I mean that with all the love. Like, Bob was, he was constantly being of service and worrying about other people, but then worrying about what other people thought of him worrying about other people. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, should I do this? Is this a thing? Are people thinking about this about me? And we're like, Bob, it's okay. Like, it's, all it's okay. not that big of a thing. It's all okay. <laughs> like, but he always was helpful and kind he was so lovable and so wonderful and did so many wonderful things for people. Um, and he was just kind and generous and, um, and funny thinking back on how long I've known Bob since, you know, he was in his twenties, late twenties until, you know, he passed away at 65. I just, it was like, it's just crazy to, you know, also realize 
that you watched the adults in your life grow up. And I think I've realized that too with my parents. Now that I am a parent, you're like, oh, my kids are watching me grow up too. That's crazy. You know, and uh, I'm very proud to have known and that I know was very proud of me and, and who what I had done with my life. And that meant a lot. And you had the gift of Full House 2.0. Yeah, we got to do that together. We got to have so much fun together. We got to wrap it before the pandemic hit. So we got to say goodbye properly and have our moment. When you when you look at it that way, you do the timeline, you absolutely have to be grateful for that. And may he rest in yeah. peace. And I'm so glad that you, you know, had the opportunity to know him in a way that very few people do. And you were able to share that with us. So that I, I thank you for that. I appreciate it because I know that's tough. Um, you also had, before I let you go, another opportunity that... Not many people have had either. You got to work with that beautiful man, John Stamer. Oh, <laughs> I was like, who? John. Yeah, yeah. He's ageless. He really is. I, I want to know who his people are. What's he doing? Give he it to me. He completely submerges himself in Greek yogurt. Okay, that's what uh, goes on. Okay, I knew it. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, John is, I mean, and God, if you saw his parents, Bill and Loretta, they were gorgeous, gorgeous human beings as well. So a rent in the family, right? It's her, it's hereditary. Lovely family um, who I have had the amazing good fortune to know too. Like, you know, when I think about like not only John and Bob and Dave and, and the cast, but like their parents and their kids yeah. and their families and their, you know, that are as much a part of my life too. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, John John is wonderful, though. He just did an episode. He and Caitlin, his wife, just did an episode of my podcast. Uh, never thought I'd say this recently. Uh, it's a comedy parenting podcast that I do. And he was on it, which was really fun um, to finally talk, you know, parenting with John. Well, I knew I was going to get to that. You have that podcast. People can find it where? On uh, all wherever you get your podcast, right? Uh, wherever you find, wherever you can get your podcast, you can find uh, Never Thought I'd Say This. It is me and my best friend, Celia Behar, who also happens to be uh, a licensed therapist. And uh, she actually has like letters behind her name and, and knows things. Uh, <laughs> not that you'd know it from listening to us banter, but it's definitely heavy on the comedy and the ridiculousness and us kind of making fun of ourselves really proud of um, a lot of the stuff that we've done and the things that we've covered. And what else can people see you on? I know you mentioned you've been doing holiday movies, which is great. Do you have anything coming up that they can watch? Um, I'm not sure when they will be released yet, but I did. Uh, I just did one in uh, Montreal. I did one um, in Utah in December called a Cozy Christmas Inn. I also just did one um called Craft Me a Romance, which I believe is going to be coming out in the fall. Okay, so we work. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got money. Life has been busy. It's been good. I also uh, occasionally host E-Daily Pop in the morning, which is always fun. Uh -huh. I love doing that. Uh-huh. I'm also working with the um, Girls Inc. I do. I try to do I love Girls charity Inc. stuff as I can. So, yeah, life is busy and full and uh, and and happy. And Jody. And then, of course... Being a mom, that's like... That way I'm like, I was saying, what about being a mom? Like, that's the biggest job, right? Mom duty is always is always on call. Jody, I appreciate you. And I, uh, I'm i really, and I and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I'm really happy to see you thriving and, and managing you. life the way in which you want it for yourself. I really do. I, Thank that's, you. It, it, it is such a blessing to see people figure it out because it's hard to do. And, and when you do it and you do it well, you have to be, you literally applaud it for it. 
Well, thank you. And I'd say I do it well for about five minutes of time. And then the rest of the time, I'm just kind of chasing behind going, oh, pick these things up. <laughs> and that's as good as it gets. That's all we're getting. Uh, Jody. thank you for joining us on The Brown Print. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. So Jody, at 40 years old, to me, uh, is arguably one of the wisest people we've had on The Brown Print because of all the things that she's been able to experience. And some of the takeaways were just amazing for me specifically. The biggest one was the only constant is change. If you realize that, it really does release a lot of the pressure, the anxiety, and for a lot of people, the mental issues that you fight with because you realize it'll ultimately change again. And that's what she had to learn. And she's doing so well at it. She talks about motherhood. She said becoming a mother really healed her. It doesn't mean you have it all figured out, but it healed some resentment that she may have had towards her parents. And to me, it's full circle. You can't understand what anyone else is going through unless you experience it. And for Jody, that came with motherhood. And also, last but not least, this is a good one. Life doesn't have one reset point. It is about the journey. I understand what she means by that. We can't always press reset to start all over because the reset button often happens when we're not paying attention. Reset means you have to do it all over again, even if you're ready for it or not. And she had that happen to her. She had the wonderful opportunity to do Full House 2.0, Fuller House. She had the wonderful opportunity to work with people that she worked with as a child and see them as adults. And she had a wonderful opportunity to take the life in which she thought she could never get back and make it even better. As an actress, as a director, as a mother, as a friend, all of this goes into her brown print, which is why I was so happy to have her on the podcast. I hope you learned a lot. We'll see you next week. So that's it for this week's episode of The Brown Print. Let's keep this conversation going online. That's where you can keep it a buck, as the kids say. Follow us on Instagram at The Brown Print Podcast or on Twitter at Brown Print Pod. Follow me, Carrie Champion, on IG and Twitter. Just at my name, Carrie Champion. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will, share it with your friends and family and help spread the word. We'd greatly appreciate it also if you showed us some love by leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. Only positive reviews, please. The Brown Print is a Gallery Media Group original production.